going to share today so that we can give some extra time to giving God the glory that he certainly deserves. Has he been good to anyone in this building? Praise God. How many of y'all have participated with us in these last 21 days of the fast? I want to thank you all because you can literally sense that. You can sense it in the atmosphere. Uh, And I want to thank you. Prayer on Saturdays, the building was pretty much full all three weeks. That'll be a normal part of our culture here once we go to our new building. So I want to thank you all for that and bringing your supply to spirit. I just want to share a quick encouraging testimony on yesterday. Uh, Linked Up Church officially added 70 new members at our first all-day Next Steps class. You all can do better than that. 70 people? And, and, and we were just so blessed by that. I think there were 27 who pre-registered, but 70 showed up. And so we thank God that he's added officially 70 new members to what God has called us to do. That's a reflection, of, again, again, of the entire church pressing in during a season like that. When you get a group that's united towards common goals, how many know the Scripture says it's there? Wherever there's unity, the Scripture says that God commands the blessing. And I just believe the blessing, the anointing, whatever you want to call it, the law of life, the spirit of Christ, the grace of God, it's all the same thing. Folks, it's on this church and it's on you. Everything you do is working. Let me try this side over here. I'm talking about everything you put your hands to. It's working. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everything. Somebody say everything Everything. I put my hands on, it's working in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Come on, it's it's working. Everything you do. And so I'm going to cut short uh, what I would have shared because really it's by the grace of God that we've been able to accomplish what we've accomplished over these 21 days. I challenged myself more than I ever have during a 21-day fast, and so I know I couldn't have done it without his help. So I just want to take a little extra time. That song is so appropriate uh, as we close out. So I'm just going to go. We're talking about the strategy of the early church. I'm going to do our last two points, and then I'll recap, uh, and then we're going to bring the choir praise team back up and just continue to lift him up today, okay? And so point number seven today is we must mobilize every member for purpose. Go with me to Acts chapter 6. We must mobilize every member for purpose. Every one of you, you have a purpose in the earth. Doesn't matter how you got here, you're here. And because you're here, God has purpose for your life. Every single one of you, you are a 10 at something. Everyone in here was created, listen to me, to be great at something. And you discover it a lot of times through school and and careers and jobs. And God didn't give you the grace, talent, gifts, and anointings that he placed on your life just for the world to benefit from that. How many know the kingdom of God needs to benefit from that as well? So when we're talking about we must mobilize every member for purpose, we're also talking about really expanding our dream team because there's so many gifts, talents, graces that are in this building. And what we've got to do is discover what is in you 
so that it can flourish in the kingdom. You can use it here, and so many more people can be blessed as a result of it. So let's look at a story in Acts chapter 6. As we're looking at these eight characteristics of the early church that we want to model, let's look at this one, how they mobilized members for expansion. In verse 1, it says, now in those days, matter of fact, let let me set it up. Uh, This particular text, we're going to read down to verse 7. Uh, It describes a problem that arose in the early church between the Greek speakers and the Aramaic speakers. One felt that the other was receiving special attention and needs were going unmet. And so they had to make a decision. The leadership had to make a decision so that the church could continue to grow. And so let's begin reading at verse 1. It says, now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied or multiplying, there arose a complaint. Now, I want to make everyone aware. How many of you know, anytime you have growth, complaints also rise? Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Right? You, you get, uh, I liked it better when we were all, at, I liked it better when there was, uh, uh, we should have stayed and, uh, you know, all the stuff is too cold in the building, it's too warm in the building, uh, uh, it feels like a theater in there, it doesn't feel like a church anymore, he's up on a stage. I mean, people just start going and going. But just remember, folks, anytime that you grow, it will increase complaints. The only thing that complaints make us aware of is that we need more help. And so let's show you what they did here because we want to model this same thing. It says, so there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables because the primary responsibility of leadership is to pray and spend time in the word of God. Right? So they need people to help them do the work that God's called them to do. The leader is only as good as the people who come to help them. He can be anointed. He can have great information. He can have all of that. But if the people don't buy in, he will not progress far. And so it goes on to say, then they summoned the twelve. Where they summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God, serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek ye out among you seven men of a good reputation who are honest. How I many you know when we serve, we should be honest in our service? So he says, choose, don't, don't just choose seven anyone, just don't choose anybody, but no, choose seven people who have character. Because character is important to God. When you're talking about standing up and representing him before the people, there are a lot of people who know you that we don't know. So your reputation needs to be good where you work, where you live, where you work out. It's important because there'll be people who come in who really know us. So he says, choose men that have a a good reputation full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom that we may appoint over this business. But we ourselves, the leadership, will continually pray, give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the whole saying pleased the multitude. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, a Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. 
Notice what happened when more people helped. Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so that one stuck out to me. A great number of priests were obedient to the faith. So notice multiplication happened as more people got involved. I don't believe God called you to just come to church and sit down. I don't believe he saved you to be a spectator. I believe he saved you to be a participator. So God spoke something to me here. The number of priests, when I looked at Adam Clark's commentary on this, these were the Jewish priests who had rejected Jesus, the same ones. So can you imagine the ones who called him a blasphemer now are saying, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of him. And so they converted them and they reversed what they originally believed because they could see people were getting involved, they were getting saved, they were starting to help, there was growth and expansion happening that everyone in the community said, that must be God. So now, what does that mean to us? This is lofty what I'm getting ready to share, but I believe it. Now that I know one city that God is getting ready to plant us initially, I believe there, I don't ever believe it was God's will to have a church on every corner. I mean, that just doesn't look good. And then most of those are struggling churches. And I just believe what's going to happen is God's going to raise us up that they'll identify, you know what, let's just shut this down and go join what God's doing over there. I don't know how we got all of these denominations anyway out of one book. I just believe that with all of my heart, that a lot of the priests where God will plant us are going to come and be a part of what God is doing. Because it'll be undeniable that God is the one doing it. If I could just get five people to just get your faith out there with me for that one right there, okay? And so notice, they couldn't grow until they got help. Just want to let that sink in for a minute. You are a very talented person. A lot of times you sit out there and say, that's the best they could do with those announcements because you have the gift. And so watch this, instead of complaining, bring your gift. Oh, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. There are people out here right now that can not sing, they can sing. And you sit there and you say, if I would have had that part. Well, let's not complain about what they're doing. And you don't want to bring something to it. I need to say this, and then I got to move on. We cannot expand until you help us expand. I'm telling you, we have the best dream team volunteers in the world. Right here at Linked Up Church. Right here. We have the absolute best dream team volunteers in the world. We want you to come and be a part of it. Wouldn't it be beautiful if everyone only had to serve one week out of the month? When you've got thousands of people, it should be very easy to accomplish. 
So when every member is a minister or a servant is a better way to say that, discovers their God-given purpose and serves someone else, which is a mark of maturity. Listen to this. The church moves from just being a church that's adding people to a church that's multiplying people. And we can see multiplication is the will of God. I declare that this church will multiply as you bring your supply to spirit and your giftings to it. It will multiply in Jesus' name. Can I get two good hallelujahs on that one? Number eight. Thank you. Number eight. We must continue with God's mission. Since God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, What he spoke to them, he's also speaking to us in principle. And if you recall in Acts chapter 1, see, a pastor really doesn't need a vision. A pastor needs to do the vision of God. Because as long as he follows the plan of God, which is the vision of God, God will always be with him. And if you recall what he said to him in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, go Ye into all the world, right? Preach the gospel in Matthew chapter 28. Then he told them where to start in Acts chapter 1. He said, uh, uh, the the anointing of the power of dunamis would come on you, right? You'll be witnesses unto me where? In Jerusalem. Start there. Then in Judea. Then in where? Samaria, right? So they've got to continue with the mission if they want God to stay with them. We've got to continue if we want God to stay with us. Let's read. Acts chapter 8. Let's begin reading at verse 1. Let me show you what happened when the mission stopped. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. So now, Saul was consenting to his death. His death is referring to Stephen, who was the first martyr over in the seventh chapter because of all the miracles and preaching the name of Jesus. Uh, Paul excited, or Saul excited a group, who was later Paul, excited a group of people, and they stoned him to death. He became the first living martyr of the early church. And it says, at, a, at that time, a great persecution, let's read this slowly, arose against the church, which was at where? Jerusalem. All right, so we just read in the sixth chapter how they had multiplied greatly. So just like anything else, I mean, once you become successful, it's easy to rest on your laurels and sit back and take your ease and say, look at what God has done in Jerusalem. We've won over half the city. Look at all of the priests have now joined us. We are big time. But that's never the will of God, folks. His will of God is to always take that now and duplicate that somewhere else. So notice, as a result of them not going, which I'm getting ready to prove to you, persecution arose. Now, a lot of people say, did God put that persecution on them? No. Their disobedience, the fact that they didn't do what he said. They stayed. The persecution was already there. The people were already hostile. They just couldn't touch them because as long as they were in the will of God and obedient, there was nothing that could stop them. But once they didn't move, once they grew too large and didn't move, notice what happened. Persecution came. Now watch this. Rose against the church at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered. It's interesting here. Notice where they were scattered. They were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and where? And Samaria. Except the apostles. Because the apostles' job was was to stay at home. 
Spend time in prayer and the Word of God and develop and train and raise up people and start Bible schools and, and develop people. We've got to do all of these things, which means, folks, as we grow, the day will come when you're going to lose your favorite ministers. I love ministers such and such. Why? Because we've got to expand. They're going to be helps people that will need to go help them. We don't need, I just feel like they split the church up. That's being selfish. I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Say lie. I love them all too, folks. But, but any good parents should raise their children up to leave. The goal is not to keep them. Some of these parents, I just knew a parent was going to stand up. Listen, the goal is not to keep them. The goal is to release them. We can't keep them forever. When you keep a minister too long, it creates problems. Especially when they've got giftings, talents, graces, and abilities. So where we're going is nice, but don't get comfortable. We've got more to do. So you notice, when they didn't move, persecution forced them to move. You know this is true. How many of y'all know God told you to do something? And the longer you didn't do it, you start noticing stuff. And it broke you down, didn't you? And then you said, okay, Lord. Right or wrong? Well, did he put that on you? No. It was already present. It just couldn't get to you. But the longer you stay not doing what he instructed you to do, you start gaining progress, momentum. It's good stuff, isn't it? Hallelujah. How many of y'all are not serving right now? It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. That's the majority of the room. Right? Lift your hand. Look, look at that, lifting like that. Nobody can see that. I can't see that. because only reason I saw that because nobody was sitting in front of you. You see me. We're looking at each other right now. <laughs> only reason I saw that because nobody, put the hand up in there. All right. I declare that every one of you will be serving by the end of February. In Jesus' name. Come on, bring your supply. So we got to go. We've got work. Let's keep reading. Now notice, they, persecution came. They ended up being where they were supposed to be in the first place. And then watch this. It goes on to say, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house, dragging off men and women. Saul, prior to his conversion to Paul, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of where? Samaria. Remember, he said, as long as you go where I tell you to go, I'll be with you, even until the end of the world. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria. That's not there by accident. That's there on purpose. So you can understand that as long as you do what he instructs you to do, the anointing and the blessing and the grace of God is already present to help you succeed at it. 
So he went to Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Watch this. And there was great joy. Where at? In that city. What city? Samaria. Where did he tell them to go? To Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And I'll be with you even until the end of the world. So as long as they were where he instructed them to be, folks, you should expect to see miracles. You should expect to see healings. You should expect to see unclean spirits leaving people's body. And guess what else, folks? There should be great joy wherever the presence of God is. Folks, there should be great joy in this building right now because the presence of God is here and he is on our side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we've got work to do. We can't do it by ourselves. In closing, notice here, as long as they didn't spread the gospel, the pressure began to be applied. So the longer they stayed, the more pressure was applied. The Bible says on that great day, great persecution broke out against the church. Notice it singled them out at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Notice the pastor stayed home, but all the people were scattered. I believe this with all of my heart. I didn't get a chance to say this with the first group. When we start planning teaching centers and churches, there are people that have to pray about where they're supposed to be. And it's individual and it's personal between you and God. There's really no one else. I'm not the guy that's going to tell you where you're supposed to go. Now, if I get it, I might share it with you, but I would ask you to let him confirm it for you. I've just seen too many lives ruined with people running places without even checking whether or not they were supposed to be there. So I just believe this way. I don't believe he's going to tell me to send you somewhere that he won't confirm with you. And I don't believe he's going to tell you that he wants to send you somewhere that he doesn't confirm with me. So I think we both can get it. And no one should move until we both get it. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. All right. And so. A lot of times, folks, what we've mastered is coming to church, and we get all dressed up for that. I mean, you all look good today. Look around this room. Look around. I mean, look good today. Anybody in here single? Lift your hand if you're single. Now everybody look around at each other whose hand is up in the air. Some good-looking people in this room. Now you do with that however the Lord leads you, but it's some some good-looking people in this room. All right? And so... Believe it or not, folks, we enjoy coming to church. But I want to notice, I want you to notice, Jesus never said, I came that you might have meetings. He said, I came that you might have life. Well, where is life taking place? Out there, in the marketplace, families, on our jobs, in our communities. He said, I came that you might have life. So we only come here, folks, to get back together. 
to get more instructions to go back out there. He never called us to come here and sit and wait for the next meeting. He said, go. And as long as you go, I'll be with you. He didn't say sit and I'll be with you to the end of the... He said what? Go. So we will be, as I wrap up in conclusion, we will be the New Testament church when we minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Music department, choir, you all can come forward. When we maintain unity through fellowship, when we multiply our small groups, when we enlarge our vision of God, see, he's bigger than whatever it is that we're facing or dealing with. When we pray like they pray, when we mobilize every member for purpose, dream team, and when we continue God's mission, we will be the church that God has called us to be. And so I know it's by the grace of God that you are what you are today. I know God's grace has been good to you. I know God has blessed you. I know God has prospered you. Come on, you're not sitting here today because he's not good. If you're sitting here today, that means you're not in a hospital somewhere. Come on, if you have transportation out there on that parking lot, I don't care whether you like it or don't like it. There are a lot of people that would like to have at least what you have. God's been good to you. Come on, somebody. If you're going to leave here today and go to an apartment or home or if you've got a roof over your head, come on, I said God's been good to you. So many times we can't enjoy what we have because we're complaining and disappointed about what we don't have. But we need to stop and smell the coffee for a little while and just remember, you know what? God's been good to me and he deserves all the glory. Come on, we're getting ready to give him all the glory that he belongs, he deserves. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise God. And I want you to really minister to this, this to him from your heart. Okay? Uh, really lift it up onto him because he deserves it. Anything that we've accomplished is because of his glory, his grace, and his goodness. Go ahead, music department. Can we just lift our hands to him again? Just tell him out of your mouth, just say, Father, you deserve it. <laughs>